Welcome to Choosing Leadership, a podcast for high performers with big dreams and for leaders who know that they are more powerful than the level that they are currently playing. I am Sumit Gupta, your host and the founder CEO of the Deploy Yourself School of Leadership. I am here to help the best leaders get better and to help organizations massively improve their output and impact and at the same time eradicating workplace stress. Yes completely eradicating, not just reducing, completely eradicating. I believe in creating a future and a work culture where people wait for Mondays, not Fridays, and get to do their most meaningful work. The aim of this podcast is not to provide you more content, but instead shift the context under which you operate. This podcast is titled Choosing Leadership because that is what leadership is, a choice. In each episode, I will celebrate leaders who have made such choices which are not always easy and comfortable, but which has helped them get to where they are today. And let us celebrate the leader in us for choosing to move over our fears, for choosing to be motivated by something bigger than ourselves, and for choosing to deal with every challenge that comes on the way. Let us celebrate you right now for stepping into the unknown and taking courageous action as those were the moments when you chose leadership. At the end, I will share how you can be our next guest on this podcast. And with that, let's get started. Nick is a Director of Product Management at the Strategic Missions and Technologies Group at Microsoft. He is passionate about artificial intelligence, emerging technologies and enterprise innovation. In this heartfelt conversation, Nick shares about his unusual background and how that gives him an advantage. We talk about how he maintains a harmony between work, family and health while living in London and leading his team based on the west coast of the US. Listen to this episode for some practical tactics on how to structure your day and when and where to draw those boundaries. Hi Nick, welcome to the Choosing Leadership Podcast. Hi Samit. Nice to uh, nice to speak to you, and thanks very much for having me. Wonderful. It's a pleasure to have you with us. And for our listeners, right, can you start by sharing a little bit about who you are and what do you do? Yeah, sure. So I'm a director of product management uh, for Microsoft. Um, I work in Microsoft's strategic missions and technologies division. It sounds quite glamorous, but really what it's a new division within the organization set up towards the back end of last year. It's really our formalized business incubation and scale-up arm. More We can talk about more about that in, uh, later on. But yeah, so that's my my current role and the large number of things that we I do as part of that and the team does as well. Um, but yeah, it's an exciting setting time in the organization to be part of that. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Can you share a little bit of your backstory? Because I was just looking at your LinkedIn. You have done many things and you continue to do many things. So can you share how you got to where you're today? Yeah, sure. Um, I think it wasn't certainly not the traditional path to working in the area that I do within Microsoft. I'm based obviously in London, UK. Well, maybe not obvious actually in the sense of my accent. I grew up in Canada. I've been over here in the UK for over well over 20 years. And so my route through to where I'm at at the moment <laughs> has certainly been a kind of a meandering path through a number of different opportunities and challenges throughout throughout my career. But I basically started, I grew up in a fairly small town 
outside of Toronto in Canada. I had a fantastic childhood, which, you know, basically got me to a point where I went off to the other side of the country, actually, for university, uh, where I studied, did a liberal arts background in school, quite a small university, really influential in terms of shaping my direction. And that culminated in, in me actually meeting a very, very influential late professor, unfortunately, there who encouraged me to pursue my studies overseas, which brought me over to the UK and Scotland in particular, where I studied um, and did my, my postgrad and a master's. And in that process, it was mainly economics and international relations. I got into the world of technology. And then from there, got my first job in London, working in a business incubation venture seed fund vehicle, which was not your traditional path in terms of um, your first job coming out of university, but it was a phenomenal experience. And then obviously from there, I got through into technology, became an analyst and the rest is history coming into Microsoft. So it's been a pretty um, meandering journey, but yes. each stage was, it was influential in, in terms of the, the next one. Yeah, yeah. So quite meandering, as you said, right, but also quite uh, unusual rather than the regular engineering or MBA part into product management, but how does that make you uniquely suited for what you do, especially for your role as a leader? What does it gives you extra and where does it presents a few challenges? Can you share a little bit about that? Yeah, sure. I think throughout the way, there was two things that really kind of shaped me in terms of the experience and also understanding the importance of certain um, certain skill sets or in, in fact, certain experiences. So I think the I highlighted, I had a really strong relationship with one of my professors who unfortunately has passed away. And he uh, was instrumental in encouraging me to pursue my studies beyond my undergraduate. Um, but more importantly, the rigor that he taught me to apply into certainly the written word, but ulti ultimately the communications side of my education was vital. And I think as I look back on that and extend that into kind of the work that we do now at Microsoft, right? So we're dealing with a lot of complexity around technologies. It's an engineering role that I'm in and the function uh, is very technical. The challenge we have when we look beyond the timeframes that we're looking three to five years is communicating, simplifying it and making sure that it's resonant with um, you know, the categories and the customer demographic that we're targeting for some of these incubations that we're looking at. So that that bedrock of communications and rigor, I think, comes from the liberal arts. It's interesting. I'm hearing more and more people that come from really strong technical uh, background with their kids going off to university, really wanting them to study where they can get some rigor around the, the arts and the liberal arts in particular to enable those communication skills, which are increasingly really important in today's day and age. So I think that's the first thing. I think the second thing was really about dealing with change and adaptability because I've had the opportunity to work in startup environments. Our environment in the moment at Microsoft is very uh, entrepreneurial as well. And then in between those two kind of parts of my career, I've also was quite a, quite a, uh, a long-standing analyst, uh, and as a technology analyst, you know you're constantly having to keep up to speed with changes around the technology, and so you, therefore you uh, end up adapting and changing along the way as well. And so I think that uh, an element around embracing change and adaptability, maintaining flexibility, I think is also a, a key thing that um, that I've learned along the way. That I think actually is is fundamental for what we do at Microsoft as well. We have an acronym 
that's very common in the organization, what we call uh, VUCA. And you have to be comfortable with VUCA, which is volatility, uncertainty, complexity, and ambiguity. Being comfortable because the world's changed, situations change very quickly. We've learned that over the last couple of years. I think uh, embracing that kind of environment through that a growth mindset, like learning and being able to trust that you have the safety to be able to experiment, but adapt to changes, I think is a really important element to success. Um, and obviously, I think some of that was embedded in early, early on in my career was some of the environments I was working in. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. And I think, uh, Nick, exactly. I have a background in technology, so I do understand how important communication skills becomes for any technologist who grows in their career to be a leader, to be a manager. And many of us learn this the hard way. Uh, but what you're sharing is that because of your unique background, like you come into that with an outsider perspective, but also with that grounding that you're not able, not only able to communicate, but you're also able to understand and deal with change in a more safe or grounded way rather than feeling threatened or feeling a bit lost or stressed by that. Uh, and I think those are wonderful skills to have and which I talk a lot with the leaders that I support on a daily basis. So thank you for adding that, right? Uh, at the same time, right, I want to ask, right, how do you communicate that or how do you, as a leader, how do you help your teams or how do you help the leaders that are working with you bring in that level of, because if somebody has a very traditional background, either they do not understand or even if they understand, they do not have the skills to deal with that. Yeah, and I think a core aspect um, to that element, and there's a number of dimensions to that, but I think one of the things that really stands out um, is coming back to that kind of core foundation of growth mindset, which is very much embedded in our culture at Microsoft. Um, and it's this idea of being a learn-it-all as opposed to a know-it-all, like that learn-it-all culture it's really fundamentally important, I think, to, to bringing in talent, but also in terms of how you approach challenges and how you approach problems as a collective and as a team. Um, and so I think that is really a core part of that leadership question you're asking there, that it, it's two ways. It's how you, you approach your leaders, uh, but equally you, how you approach people that are looking to you for mentorship or guidance, et cetera. That for me is fair. I think fairly new in terms of really understanding the importance of that. Um, I, it took me quite a bit throughout my career to really embrace setbacks, for example. And we've all had them, and I've certainly had a few in my day. And part of the, um, my, my, mind you, that makes me sound really old, by the way, but I, I guess I am in some respects. <laughs> the, but I think part of the challenge has been certainly when I was really early in my career, you know, dealing with setbacks in a positive way. I think uh, fast forward to today, if I was starting out again, I think that would be a completely different mindset because I would attach yeah. to that. Uh, that Can you mindset. share more about that, right? What setback that you face and what that helped you learn, what that helped you realize about yourself? Absolutely. I think early on, I as part of the my my starting, me certainly my first part of my career, I went into a startup environment and uh, that that was fantastic for a couple of years. As we all know, with the dot-com era and also with technology bubbles, they eventually burst. And so I was on I was on the investment side of that business. And then very quickly, the markets changed and we weren't able to invest anymore. So my job was basically, I was made redundant. 
Um, and so that for me was a massive setback because I really enjoyed that, that environment. And I wasn't quite sure what to do with, uh, with that, that change in my career. It ultimately translated to a really positive change in the end. And, uh, I was able to go and travel and I really saw some parts of the world that I wasn't able to see uh, and still haven't actually in retrospect. So I'm really glad I did it. And it turned out to be a blessing in disguise. But at the time, I was really challenged by uh, by that because it was too new in my career and I wasn't fully experienced with dealing that. So that that for me, I think I would approach that now with a very much a growth mindset um, notion. And obviously looking back on it, ultimately, some of these things do end up turning out to be really positive in your direction. You just don't see it at the moment in time. Thank you. Thank you, Nick, for being so open about that, right? I know that sometimes that can be not easy to share, but it's also very relevant in the market that we're living in today as so many people are being made redundant. And one thing, especially to add to what you're sharing about being a blessing in disguise, uh, one thing which I am learning about how our psychology works, how our mind works, <clears throat> is that we, if faced with a setback or what we perceive as a setback, if we ask ourselves, like, what is my role in that? What is my mistake? Like, if we go self-critical, uh, we will find those reasons. But at the same time, if you look at it, like, what is the opportunity here? How can this be an opportunity? Then we will also find those opportunities, right? So uh, right. one thing which I'm learning is that, like, our brain, whatever question you give it, uh, it will answer it, right? So if you ask, uh, why am I a failure? Why did I mess up? It will give you reasons of proof, right? Why are you not good enough? But if you ask, right, why is this uh, could be an opportunity or a blessing in disguise, your brain will also give you those answers or those opportunities will start showing up. And that's such a wonderful, um, especially in the in in the times that we're living, it's so relevant for anybody who is listening, that it could actually be an opportunity for you to reset your career, to pursue your dreams and to really find what it is that you really care about, right? And again, coming to that, right, with the, that wide experience of your, you can basically go into anywhere, right? Because change uh, is not, maybe not as threatening to you as it is to anybody else. So can you share about like what matters most to you right now? Why are you doing what you're doing and what next in the future for you? Sure. So at the moment, um, I, as I mentioned earlier, I'm currently working in a strategic missions and technologies division. Just a few quick words on that just to set some context for the listeners. But we, we set the SMT or strategic missions and technologies unit up late last year. Uh, so it's a fairly new division, roughly about 6,000 employees within Microsoft. As our kind of formalized incubation and scale-up arm, the organization reports directly into our CEO um, and we, uh, at the moment, are we were kind of focused on four key areas. So our telco and infrastructure capabilities, particularly around 5G, our quantum computing uh, business, space and satellite technologies, as well as our all this work we do with the U.S. federal government. But the purpose of the organization will grow and it will include other areas in the future as well. And we really, we sit at the nexus between our Foundational long-term research on one hand, so that's in our Microsoft research organization. Uh, and then on the other hand, our current solution portfolio. So all the products in market that we currently focus on and sell to our customers uh, across the world. So we SMC sits in between those two areas. And our job is to move things through from the research side of the business in through to commercial operation into the organization. So within that, though, my role it sits in our uh, growth, innovation, and strategy function. And that's really about incubating product development, 
product management around these new growth scenarios um, and solutions for for the business as well. We also look at how we plan and strategize around those, invest in those areas, as well as the thought leadership. So like how we build the narrative around the technology and kind of build an ecosystem around that. So my job, what I like about this and where I think it's going to head is that it's really... Um, really fascinating in the sense of, I think even Satya Nadella talks to us about this quote from uh, Bob Dylan, which is, you're either busy being born or you're busy dying. Uh, and this idea of the fact that we're busy being born, we're incubating you know, these new growth businesses that will ultimately determine, in our view, the future of our industry, I think is really exciting. I mean, it could even have bigger implications, of course, in some of the areas we're working on and supercomputing and quantum computing will have more or even broader societal impacts as well than just the technology industry. So that's that level of uh, ambition and intent is really exciting. The challenge though, of course, is that it's hard, right? Like there's no blueprint, there's no blueprint for, you know, growing businesses. And obviously entrepreneurs will uh, all over the world tell you this, and it's no different when you're inside an organization like Microsoft. There's no roadmap. You know, we've got, we've had previous success, but that doesn't necessarily determine future success. And the thing, the point that we were making earlier, like things change, they change often. And so you have to be comfortable with kind of a blank sheet of paper and trying to figure out, okay, collaboratively and collectively, you know, how, how do we, uh, how do we progress? And how do we handle forks in the road? Because there's inevitable forks in the road down the line. Yeah. So, you know, I think, I think that's the challenge. It's exciting, but it's also a challenge. And I think, you know, I think that for us, for me in particular, but also for our organization is really what gets us motivated. Um, and of course, that growth mindset is a big part of how we culturally kind of a, try our best to succeed in this environment as well. So the future in terms of where it's going to go, I think we're, uh, you know, obviously I'm fairly new into Microsoft a year or two in. So there's a long run in terms of where we want to, you know, get to. We apply a horizon model uh, to our growth businesses. So horizon two, horizon three are these kind of three to five year projects that potentially can turn into the products and businesses for the organization. Um, so we have that time horizon where we really need to kind of nurture and accelerate a number of these different areas that will keep us busy for that period of time, mm -hmm. certainly. And so I think that part of the your point on the in terms of the future is going to be very much okay. Let's really focus on these areas, but equally like looking at things that are going to come through in that process as well. So it is an exciting process, I have to say. And you know, fingers crossed, we um, we can move some of these areas and really grow the benefits for our customers around these disruptive uh, disruption technologies in the future as well. Yeah. And how do you manage that, right? Uh, so not only the change and disruption, but also the pressure, the overwhelm sometimes, which is a part and parcel of that. How do you keep that like breathing space for uh, uh, reflection, for rest? How do you manage that? Yeah, it's really important um, in terms of being mindful of that balance, right? And I'm based in London, but our entire team is in the US and the majority of them are in Redmond in the uh, on the West Coast. So the time difference as well can really kind of factor in a little bit into that that work-life balance. You know, we we really are, are really well set up for that. I think that there is a very mindful approach and respect uh, given to people's you know personal situations, and we're honest and we have open conversations about those as a team. So it's not perfect in the sense of you have to adapt. Um, but we've made, I think, really good strides on that. I've been actually quite surprised by how receptive culturally the organization is, and certainly our team and our division uh, within Microsoft is to 
that work-life balance. Um, yeah. And yeah. I think you, part of this stems yeah. from the the pandemic uh, and a lot of the changes we made as an organization, you know, through 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 COVID. So yeah, so yeah, it's been it's been a real positive experience on that front. Can you share a little bit more on the practical of it, right? You are based in London. Your team is based on the West Coast. How yep. do you balance then the family, your health, your mental well-being, uh, as well as the communication, right, which is required, especially in a leadership role? Uh, how do you manage all the calls? How do you manage communication? What still taking care of uh, like your everything else in your life as well? Yeah, and it's a constant challenge, uh, you know, from our side. I mean, basically... I've got two two children, ten and twelve, so they're they're right in that that age um, slot where um, you know three anywhere between three and five p.m. in the evenings. You know, there, it's all systems go. There's quite a lot to be done there, but also on the west coast, that's when my colleagues are getting up, and that's the prime time for us to have meetings and connect uh, with leaders and our colleagues. Um, so the challenge is just getting that balance right, and so. Thankfully, I've got a, I mean, my, my wife is brilliant as well. She's a full-time employed and she's busy as well, but we, co- we coordinate literally daily on how we can manage that um, during those periods. So my day tends to be a little bit later and thankfully her day is a little bit earlier. So, um, which means I can start a little bit later in the mornings, but I also have a lot more quiet time to get work done. Uh, and then basically what I almost have like two days. So from three o'clock when my colleagues are getting up, that's when I kick in, but I would I make a conscious effort to, with the exception of the odd, and we all have to accommodate for those exceptions, with the exception of the odd call here and there, from 3, 3 p.m. to about 7 p.m., I'm in calls or I'm connecting and doing things with on, on the West Coast time. And my colleagues are aware of that. And then from that post, you know, 8 to 9 p.m., obviously it's a case by case. But that's usually where we've kind of, I will literally draw a line. And so how that mindfulness works for me is as long as I've got that structure and it's communicated well with the team that, and everyone understands, and we've got a mutual respect for that, it works very well. And then of course, what we're all very good at as well, I think collectively is on uh, holidays and on weekends where it's, it becomes really respectful of other people's time. And so we're, we're very quiet and uh, when it comes to communications during those periods as well, so... Thank you. I think thank you for sharing that practicality of it because uh, like myself also, I do work with a few people on the West Coast and the East Coast. And then I have a three-year-old son. Uh, and I think what I'm realizing is, right, uh, then this notion of work-life balance is also shifting, right? So work-life balance doesn't only mean that you work nine to five or you work in a continuous eight-hour time slot, but it becoming more of a harmony. How can you re- really blend your work and life in a way that blends everything together. And that sometimes that means like talking to your children and saying that I have this important call and I have to um, take that and they understand it, right? So it's not like you are feeling guilty and they are feeling uh, grudgy. Uh, so it's like having that conversation with your wife, with your children, and then also with your boss, with your team to establish those boundaries rather than trying to please everybody, like, which can become a trap of at one time trying to overextend, but at the other side, feeling guilty, feeling not being okay with where you are. But what you're sharing is like the power of open communication, setting those boundaries. I'm sure you, as you said, right, with your team, but also with your boss, with your manager, and then the same, uh, like the balance or the harmony with your wife and kids uh, so that everybody understands that it's not like like you're ignoring them, but you're actually like, taking care of them by actually being in a call, which is very important for you. So it, it's very nuanced, but I, uh, I'm sure everybody who's listening 
we'll see something because I know a lot of organizations are still not there in in terms of like True. these processes. So it's a good learning for them as well. I think above all, it's um, if you can have those transparent discussions and there's flex on either side, I think it ultimately that's the place you want to get to. And that transparency and respectful approach to your colleagues, uh, I think is so important, both to your, uh, your mirror manager, but also to the wider team as well. So, and that's really at the bedrock, uh, well, that's really kind of the core of what what I've seen succeed. And look, it's not perfect. It can never be perfect, but it certainly gets you over some of those challenges that I know some people are still going through because they don't necessarily have that culture yet inside the organization. Um, and so I think, yeah, that's just a learning curve that companies are, and individuals are going through. Absolutely. And I think that notion of perfect right, and imperfect, I think I often like to say, right, it is imperfect and that is perfect. Right. Seeking yes. perfection sometimes yeah. can basically right. like be self-defeating, but the fact that it's imperfect and you're continuously learning and adapting is what perfection is. It's paradoxical, but I think if you can make your uh, like make your understanding with that, that makes everybody's life easier and you can really ease off the stress, the tension. But at the same time, right, given the time zone differences, given the virtual world, and especially given your background, right, the uniqueness, I'm sure there is a lot which people whom you work with do not know about you. So can you share something which most people do not know about you? Ah, uh, that's a good question. Um, I think the, that's a good, that's a good point. I think possibly how, I guess probably how much I'm into sport and sports and exercising, I think. That is a big, I'm a type one diabetic and most of my colleagues understand that and know that. And I've been, I've been a type one diabetic for quite a while. Um, and so the health element to maintaining the, the control over diabetes is really important. And I guess what my colleagues probably don't see is the amount of work that I do to into that. And I, it manifests in different ways, running. I do quite a lot of running each week, as well as playing in multiple sports. Uh, so maybe that's probably the one that I probably keep a bit quiet and hide a little bit from uh, uh, from my, my friends and colleagues, apart from my wife. She obviously knows that and thinks I'm a little bit crazy uh, for when it comes to the, the, uh, the effort that I put into it. But um, yeah, I, I guess that would probably be the one. It's a little bit boring of an answer because you, you got me off guard on that one, but I, that's probably the one that stands out. <laughs> yeah, but th thank you again, once again, for taking the bait and like really answering honestly, uh, because no matter like how much we feel that like this is a part which people don't need to hear, but it is these challenges or these uh, like uniqueness about us, which shapes us as human beings. And then that right. certainly becomes a part of who we are when dealing with people. And uh, I'm sure anybody who is listening and find out that about you, will see you in a better light or will see you more wholly as a human being rather than just a director or a leader or a boss or a colleague. Uh, and one of the intention of this podcast is to bring those stories out, which shapes us, but are not often heard or known in the workplace. Right. So thank you for sharing that. Thank you. I totally appreciate you being open and talking about that. Ah, pleasure. Pleasure. Yeah. And just to begin to wrap this up, right, what advice would you give to somebody who is struggling in this day and age, right? Because either of the redundancies or just the fear of what is happening in the economy, especially given your background, what is the unique perspective that you can add to somebody who is struggling in this time? Right? I think, um, I think the, I think it's about approach and it's about, it's about attitude. Um, 
and I certainly haven't been an expert at this through throughout my life. But when I look back on it, on those challenges and those situations that ultimately were out of my control, I mean, some may have been a little bit part of my control, but I think generally speaking, the big changes that happened in my life and career as a result of setbacks ultimately turned into be really good things. You know, ultimately came, came into things actually really shaped an outcome that had I been in my shoes previously, prior to that setback, I would have loved to have had that outcome. I would have loved to have got to that point. So um, I just wasn't aware that I was headed in that direction. So I think in these challenging times, and I appreciate it, it is stressful and it's difficult that that if things come from left field and you, and it's a real shock, the temptation and the visceral reaction is quite natural is to be downbeat and to be a little bit, oh my goodness, you know, what's happening type of uh, reactions. But I think in the long run, kind of hold on to the point that actually these tend to be really positive events because you'll be able to, it'll take you onto, an, you'll either trampoline into another area or you'll shift gears and you go down a different path. And ultimately you're learning. I mean, this is the whole point of all of it, right? Like building new experiences that are ultimately going to help you down the line. So it's trying to look at it in that big picture way. It's hard. I appreciate it as a time, but for me anyway, my personal experience, and I ultimately would love to have this conversation with my kids, but they won't listen to me at all. Um, But like when you have it set back, you know, you must take it as a learning and that learning ultimately, if you do, will get you to a place that's further down the line that you will be really a positive outcome for you uh, and a necessary possibly outcome as well. If you believe in those things happen for a reason type of philosophy, which my mother always reminds me of, by the way, because my mother and I always have these conversations about certain junctures in my career. Um, But she tends to believe that was a necessary path that you go through. But I'm not so sure. I think generally speaking, though, it's just taking that attitude and that learning approach to setbacks, if there are any, and I appreciate it in today's climate, it's a difficult time. Yeah, but I love the the way how you have broken out and that answer. And I want to like uh, separate that out to the two elements, which I'm hearing. One is that, right. You understand, you acknowledge that this can be tough. Like this can be stressful. And that also is natural, right? It's not, doesn't mean that something is wrong with you. That doesn't mean that you don't have the skills or doesn't mean that you have to be self-judgmental. It's okay to feel stressed. It's okay to feel uh, like out of place in this world. Uh, That's one thing, right. That's normalizing this. Uh, because unless we do so, we can get stuck in those like self-critical judgments of that pressure. That's and the right. second thing is, right, the perspective, right, rather than seeing this as something happening to you, this could actually be something happening for you, right, for your growth, for your learning. And then how can you make it like a stepping stone rather than a stumbling block? Uh, and then also you summed it up very nicely, right? If uh, this is not for learning, then what is this all about, right? In the end, it's all about learning and moving forward. We cannot go backwards. We can only move forward. Uh, so these two perspectives, right? One, it's okay to feel scared, stressed, nothing nothing is missing, nothing is wrong. Uh, and then you can make it. Like, this could be a learning opportunity. And then in the larger context, right? It's all about moving forward and that what you shared about your mother. Those, that, those pieces of wisdom sometimes uh, can help us navigate. And obviously it can be difficult in the short term, but when you go ahead and look back, it all makes sense. So thank you for, I really appreciate the multifaceted like, uh, perspective of your answer. You really summarized that really well. Um, I couldn't agree, couldn't, couldn't agree more with your your summary there. I think that that it's, it is, as I said, uh, I think part of this as well is like, you know, comes back to 
kind of leadership as well. And I think with my career and looking back over successful leaders that I've engaged and encountered, the one thing that I, I felt that uh, was a real important characteristic in the, the leaders that really helped me and shaped me, and, and this may not even be in, in, in business, this could go in through, into school or into sport as well, uh, are the ones that are more kind of supportive, I suppose, more mentoring oriented, more more empowering. And there's maybe a kind of a mutual respect between, between us going on there. Um, and I think that's the difference between in these types of environments where if you are coaching and you're helping people through, you know, that, that type of guidance around some of these areas, I think are really important to help people. And I think the flip of that is I've just had a, a few managers that would be, that put more emphasis on less on leading. And I would say that that, you know, what we just talked about there is more of a characteristic if in leaders, as opposed to uh, those are managers. And I've had those managers that put more of an emphasis on management as opposed to leading in the past. And I think uh, I think that for me is always one of the things that that I think are the different. And ultimately, to help people through some of these stressful times, you know, it comes back to what we were talking about earlier as well. It's that key element of communication. So yes, absolutely. I think this is all about leadership. You said it earlier, right? Uh, it's about learning, not knowing. And I think fifty years ago, leadership was all about control and knowing it all. That's right. Right now, given how complicated, how complex the world is, and even then, how fast it is changing. Like trying to be in control is, or trying to know it all is a fool's errand, right? It's uh, all about navigating rather than controlling. It's all about learning and adapting. Uh, and then learning for me is uh, synonymous with leadership right now. So thank you for like connecting it, it, it with that. And in fact, right, one of the like beginning points of learning is to say that I don't know, right? If you say I know it all, uh, even if you don't, uh, you stop learning immediately. Learning only becomes possible when you say I don't know. And that's challenging, that's difficult for anybody who is seeking control or who is still in the old paradigm of management or control. A hundred percent. I couldn't, yeah. couldn't agree more with your summary there as well. Yeah. So just to sum it up, right, if anybody who's listening who wants to reach out uh, to you, maybe for mentorship or just to bounce out or find out what you are up to, what is the best way for them to do so? Sure. Um, you can find me on LinkedIn. So uh, Nick McGuire, M-C-Q-U-I-R-E, or just type in Nick McGuire from Microsoft or uh, on Twitter at Nick McGuire, M-C-Q-U-I-R-E. And yeah, feel free to reach out um, with any questions or any uh, any requirements. I'm more than happy to help. Thank you. Thank you, Nick, for sharing everything that you shared and for being who you are. Uh, and I want to wish you all the best for everything that lies ahead for you. I will make sure to include your LinkedIn profile with the show notes and your name uh, so that anybody who is listening can find out what you're up to and reach out to you. And yes, once again, thank you for sharing uh, who you are. And I wish you all the best for everything that lies ahead. Uh, thank you, Summit, for having me. It's been a great conversation. Um, I really enjoyed your observations and insights. So yes, uh, fantastic time. Thank you. Absolutely. Wonderful. That's it for this episode of Choosing Leadership with Sumit Gupta. I choose leadership every time I record this podcast and I invite you to do the same. I invite you to design a life of joy, meaning, pride and satisfaction, not just for yourself, but for everybody around you. If you got something out of this episode, would you share this episode on social media? And if you know somebody who would be a great guest, can you tag them on social media to let them know about the show? And if you are a leader who wants to acknowledge how far you have come 
and have big dreams for the future, please reach out to me to be a guest on this podcast. And I love seeing your posts and guest suggestions. This is what I do most naturally, to lovingly and gently provoke you, to help you see your own light, to help you see what you are already capable of. To make sure you don't miss any episodes, go ahead and subscribe. Your thumbs up, ratings and reviews go a long way to help promote the show and it means a lot to me and my team. If you want to know more, go to deployyourself.com and subscribe to my newsletter or follow me on LinkedIn. I want to thank everyone who contributed to making this show a reality. And I want to thank you for listening. Always remember that you are enough, you are loved and you matter. This is Sumit. Until next time, keep choosing leadership.